You're going to love this. Just love it. with you live from Pacifica Radios, KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, coast to coast and around the globe on KPFK.org, on the Stitcher app, on the TuneIn app, on iTunes, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, RadioOrNot.com, other fine affiliates, and Radio Sputnik. This is your broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com, your friendly citizen, investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me. Maybe not you. I don't know. Uh, you can let me know one way or another, by the way, anytime. Uh, our email address is bradcast at bradblog.com. We'd love to hear from you. Perhaps we'll read some of your emails on the air. You can also tweet me anytime at thebradblog. That's who I am on the Twitters, the Brad Blog, also over on Facebook. Uh, so jump in. The water's fine. Uh, well, uh, a lot to cover as usual today. We'll be speaking in a little bit here with computer science and security expert Jeremy Epstein. He will be joining me uh, to discuss the recent decertification of one-fifth of the great Commonwealth of Virginia's voting machines, which were suddenly and immediately decertified last month, even with primary elections coming up in June. That's how bad these machines were. These 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting machines have finally been yanked. These are, these are machines we've been talking about for 10 years and how bad they are. Well, the state finally decided to look at them and find out if, uh, if that was right. And yeah, they are that bad. And it will blow your mind, frankly, how bad they are. We'll we'll talk a little bit about what the investigators found when they actually bothered to examine those machines. And it was so bad, it even horrified Jeremy Epstein of Virginia Verified Voting, computer scientist who's been trying to get these machines decertified because of security concerns for a decade. So we will be talking to him about that and how bad those machines were and uh, maybe how bad the voting machines are in a town near you. Um, job rates, uh, apparently, for April uh, went through the roof or at least uh, added another 223 jobs, according to the Bureau of Labor uh, Statistics. And that sent stocks uh, through the roof as well. 270 points on Friday. The Dow jumped up. The unemployment rate fell to 5.4%. That's a seven-year low. It's the lowest since May of 2008. And uh, the participation rate ticked up a little bit, slightly. The private sector added 12.3 million jobs over 62 straight months of job growth. 62 straight months of job growth. Of course... 
This was after the Great Recession, so not entirely surprising that we would be adding jobs, although it plummeted so low in uh, January of 2009 uh, you know, it had to go up, but it has continued to go up for 63, 62 straight months. Um, so on Friday, we learned that private sector employment rose by 213,000 jobs in April. Businesses and the economy as a whole created more than 200,000 jobs in 13 of the past 14 months. The first time that that has happened since 1995. And imagine... Imagine how those numbers could be even better had the Republicans in Congress not been trying to sabotage every single job effort for the past seven years. Say what you want about Barack Obama. Say what you want about Democrats in Congress. But facts are facts. And Republicans have been doing everything they can to undermine job growth, undermine the economy since Barack Obama took office office period that is a fact now the economic policy institute has said that uh, based on standard multipliers and relationships between gdp and employment growth it is estimated that the senate gop budget cuts that were just passed now that the republicans have taken over congress the senate gop budget cuts would reduce the gdp by 0.7 percent in 2016 and decrease payrolls by almost 800,000 jobs relative to the Congressional Budget Office uh, baseline uh, projections. And it would get even worse in 2017 if this budget was passed. GDP would be reduced by 1.9% with payrolls decreasing by 2.3 million jobs. This is what the Republicans passed this week. In Congress, this is the budget that they are trying to get through. Obviously, it's going to be vetoed, and uh, they'll probably just extend the current budget, and they'll keep fighting about this for a long time. But, uh, th- And this is not to say that you should go out and support Democrats. Uh, I- I'm not trying to say that at all. And frankly, it drives me nuts when I talk about this stuff, and they say, ah, that's just because you're a Democrat. No, I'm not a Democrat. I'm a journalist. I'm I'm giving you the facts. I'm telling you what the news is. What you do with it is up to you. But the fact is, you've got an entire major party trying to actively undermine the economy in this country, trying to undermine its citizens, trying to undermine jobs. That's just a fact. So that doesn't mean you, you need to go out and vote for Democrats. Maybe that means you go out and vote for the Green Party. Maybe that means you go out and vote for the Constitution and Freedom Party. I don't know. I'm just telling you what the facts are. And these are the facts. Or maybe you don't go vote at all. Um, In Missouri, just to give you another example. In Missouri last Tuesday, where Republicans have taken over that state house, uh, they voted to remove several thousand families from a welfare program by imposing shorter time limits for people to receive the benefits, overriding a veto by the state's Democratic governor. This is a Democratic governor who I've been quite critical uh, of, frankly, on this show, uh, Jay Nixon, concerning the uh, what he did in uh, in Ferguson with his stupid state of emergency and making things worse there. But at least he vetoed this law, this cut to federal uh, to, to public assistance. So the new law, which will now be in place since his veto was overridden in Missouri, my old hometown. 
It will limit limit temporary assistance for needy families cash assistance program by five years to three years and nine months starting in January and imposes stricter work requirements. The Republican-led House voted to override the veto. The Senate uh, then followed. Supporters of this measure, measure said the, uh, that it would encourage people on welfare to find a job and get off government assistance. Because, you know, uh, government assistance is fantastic. What a sweet deal. It's a cozy deal. Everybody wants to be on government assistance rather than work. About 3,000 families will lose 3,000 families will lose benefits which are capped. Get this. Benefits are capped at $292 a month for a parent with two children. $292 a month for a parent with two children. And that's that's now the cap. Uh you try to live on 292 months with, with no children, by the way. The law will make Missouri among the top 10 states for the shortest duration of benefits. When Nixon originally vetoed the bill, he cited concerns that it would punish children for the action of their parents. The measure also imposes sanctions on the entire family if a parent does not comply with requirements to participate in work activities, which could include volunteering, job training, or education. And if they don't do that, take food away from the children. An additional 6,600 families could lose benefits through sanctions for not complying with work requirements, according to estimates by the Social Services Department in Missouri. Individuals would have six weeks after a face-to-face meeting with a social worker before losing half of the family's benefits. All benefits would be cut off entirely after an additional 10 weeks. So that's what Republicans are doing. Maybe you like that. Maybe you want these families uh, these and these children to uh, to not be able to eat, I guess. Uh, maybe you want these people to uh, you know have no money, have, not be able to support, not put that money, by the way, back into the economy to hurt the economy, because that's what Republicans want. Anyway, those are the facts right now. Um, okay. Speaking of Republicans, speaking of Democrats, speaking of politics, uh, for folks who have followed Bradblog.com, my work over there uh, for, what are we going, 12, 13 years almost at this point, uh, and who have followed the the Bradcast for years, uh, you know that we cover elections all year round. We don't wait until just before the election to start talking about concerns about voting. And sure, the rest of the media, a lot of the media, they also cover elections, but they cover the horse race. That's all they care about. They don't uh, talk about the issues in the horse race. It is who's winning and who's losing. But also what they don't cover very frequently are the track conditions on which those horses are running. And as we like to say, the things those horses leave behind on those track conditions. Anybody who knows horse racing knows that you can have the greatest horse in the world but if they're running on a muddy track and they're not a mutter, uh, they're probably going to lose that race. So the track conditions are just as important as the actual uh, candidates who are running. And we focus a lot on the track conditions. And in this case, I want to focus on uh, the voting machines and some of these concerns I mentioned at the top of the show. But even beyond that, uh, Internet voting. And the fact that there are profiteers and partisans out there, and this is a place where Democrats are almost as guilty as Republicans, 
uh, who want to push us to Internet voting, which computer scientists say cannot be done safely, cannot be done securely, can be hacked. Uh, and even if it's not hacked, there are there is no way for uh, we the people to know that the election hasn't been hacked. So here's one of the reasons why. Uh, now, I got to go back a little bit to 2004. Actually, I got to even to 2000 a little bit here. But after the disputed 2004 presidential election in Ohio uh, and elsewhere, a, uh, and after people were standing on line for three, six, nine hours, the last vote was cast at something like three o'clock in the morning in Ohio at Kenyon College. After that election, a private, a privately created panel calling themselves the Commission on Federal Election Reform was formed by some highly placed George W. Bush operatives. We outed the entire thing at Bradblog.com as it was happening live back in 2004. Very few other people were paying attention to it at all. Uh, and, and we showed you exactly who these operatives were who set up this private commission to make it look like it was a public commission, to make it look like it was a, the commission from 2000 after that disastrous, embarrassing American election. Uh, when a commission was actually created, an official commission, it was chaired by uh, President uh, Gerald Ford and Jimmy Carter at the time to make recommendations about how to avoid what happened in 2000. What happened was, well, we ended up getting this Help America Vote Act a couple of years later. Four billion dollars was put into put into electronic voting machines, which we're going to be talking about here in a little bit. Because that was a disaster. But at least it was a legitimate commission in 2004. This private panel somehow tricked Jimmy Carter to coming on as co-chair again. And it was Jimmy Carter and James A. Baker, the, the Bush family consigliere, uh, the guy who actually went all the way to the Supreme Court in 2000 to keep votes from being counted at all in the state of Florida. This is the guy that's supposed to head up an election reform commission in 2004. It was a joke. It was laughable. The reason this commission was set up entirely was to lay the groundwork for photo ID restrictions across the country. Photo ID restrictions that uh, they, they know that a huge swath of Americans uh, don't have. The specific type of photo IDs that are now required in these laws that are being put in place uh, in, in, in Republican state after Republican state. That was the point of this commission, to put that out there. Now, even that commission, however, said that, well, no, we shouldn't do photo ID until we get uh, a national ID in place, until there is a national ID that everyone has and and we don't have a question about whether or not you know some people can vote because they, they don't drive, because they live in a city, so they don't have a driver's license, they don't have a car. Uh, so they called for at least a national ID before they put in photo ID voting restrictions. But the other thing that they pointed out, this fake commission, that is actually true and of note here. They said in their report that, quote, the greater threat to most voting systems comes not from external hackers, but from insiders who have direct access to the machines. They wrote, there is no reason to trust insiders in the election industry any more than in any other industry, such as gambling, where sophisticated insider fraud has occurred despite extraordinary measures taken to prevent it. So they warned against insider fraud, the Baker-Carter Commission, back in 2004. Okay, 
Let's move the clock forward now to 2010. <laughs> Actually, I, and this is a, a, an incredible story. Okay. Uh, well, this happened in 2010, but the prosecution uh, is, is happening just this year. In a lottery scheme, prosecutors charge, according to Ars Technica last month, that an insider, the head of computer security for a state lottery association in Des Moines, Iowa, quote, tampered with lottery computers prior to him buying a ticket that won him a $14.3 million jackpot. According to the prosecutors, the alleged perpetrator was 51-year-old Eddie Raymond Tipton, and he, quote, inserted a thumb drive into a highly locked down computer that's supposed to generate random numbers used to determine lottery winners before he then went out to a, 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 a convenience store and, and he bought a ticket. In the court documents uh, recently filed, prosecutors said there is evidence to support the theory that Tipton used his privilege inside the Lottery Association to enter a locked room that housed the random number generating computers and infect them with software that allowed him to control the winning numbers. This room, this security room, it was enclosed in glass. It, it could only, So you could see it. It was transparent. It could only be entered by two people at a time. It was monitored by a video camera 24-7 to prevent outside attacks. The computers aren't connected to the Internet at all. Prosecutors said that Tipton entered the so-called draw room uh, in November of 2010, ostensibly claiming to change the time on the computers. The cameras on that date recorded only one second per minute rather than running continuously like they normally do. So it was only picking up one second. So when they went to look back at the cameras, they couldn't see it as long as he got in and out in, what, 59 seconds. Four of the five individuals who have access to the control uh, to control the camera settings will testify at the trial that they did not change the camera's recorded instructions, recording instructions. Prosecutor said the fifth person is the defendant, and it's a reasonable deduction to infer that the defendant tampered with the camera equipment to have the opportunity to insert a thumb drive into the random number generator computer without being detected. So if the prosecutors are correct here, it means that even in a highly secured glass enclosed computer room with 24 hour a day security cameras, very limited access and rules requiring at least two people enter at once. They still they still were not able to defeat a determined insider, just as the Baker Carter Commission had warned. So if a multi-million dollar lottery system that runs 365 days a year and is manned by a full time uh, staff of security professionals, if that can be defeated by an insider, how is it even possible that anyone could imagine underfunded local county officials could possibly defeat an, an electronic scheme to defraud an election. Well, they can't. They can't. It's silly. It's ridiculous. It can't happen. And yet, partisans and profiteers are out there pushing for it. Hey, the electronic voting machines we saddled you with after 2004 aren't crappy enough. Let's give you even more unverifiable voting systems by using the internet. What could possibly go wrong? I'll tell you what went wrong. In New South Wales, they just had an election at the end of March. And as UK's uh, SC Magazine reports, as many as 66,000 votes in the New South Wales state election in 2015 could have been tampered with. IT security professionals found a way that they could get in, that they could change votes, 
that they could change votes that had already been cast. Uh, this was in uh, in New South Wales, down in Australia. Naturally, the officials responsible for the deploying the program are now uh, incensed. They're attacking the scientists <laughs> uh, for for uh, revealing this information. Scientists, by the way, who are advisors at the Verified Voting Foundation. They serve in a voluntary uh, capacity there, and uh, yet they've been attacked as uh, trying to promote their agenda or something. Uh, this uh, forced the verified voting president, Pam Smith, to respond and say, "There is, here's a quote what she said in her letter to the uh, New South Wales Electoral Commission in this open letter. She said, there's no way to independently confirm an Internet voting system's correct functioning and that the outcomes accurately, accurately reflect the will of the voters while maintaining voter privacy and the secret ballot. She said the U.S. National Institute of Standards and Technology, NIST, the federal agency directed by the U.S. Congress to examine and set standards for online voting, has concluded that secure Internet voting is currently not feasible and that senior cybersecurity officials at the U.S. Department of Homeland Security have warned that online voting is inadvisable and premature. And yet, partisans, a lot of Democrats, and profiteers continue to push for Internet voting. That, even after they have not been able to secure the voting machines, the very electronic computer voting machines, with or without a so-called paper trail, Yes, your paper ballots are also counted by computers, and those have not been able to be secured in this country, the ones we're already using across the entire country. And that once again became very clear in the Commonwealth of Virginia, and we're going to talk about that and what happened there right after this break. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Stay tuned. <laughs> Little black boxes in cute little rows A screen that says touch me so cheerfully glows No paper trail, a make-believe pole Cast your vote down the memory hole Little black box where your little vote goes Down and down the memory hole Oh where, oh where did your little vote go? Nobody knows Nobody knows Nobody knows Little black box Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, I've been wanting, wanting to get to this story for a while. Uh, it, it just This is an amazing story. So we were talking about in the previous segment about how Internet security, Internet voting systems simply cannot be made secure. But what about the current systems that we're already using across the country? Well, we have been blowing the whistle and exposing the uh, problems with these voting systems for years at Bradblog, uh, particularly uh, touchscreen uh, computer voting systems, but e even the paper ballot computer voting systems, where you fill it out by hand, fill out a paper ballot by hand, and then they put it through an optical scan uh, machine, which counts it either accurately or inaccurately. Nobody can know unless you bother to hand count that paper ballot, which we don't do in this country, which is insane. Nonetheless, about a third of the country still use these touchscreen voting machines, which are 100% unverifiable, even if you wanted to count them, even if you wanted to find out if the computer results were correct. You couldn't. After an election, it is impossible to know. 
And yet we still use these, as I said, in in many states across the country and uh, certainly in Virginia, the Commonwealth of Virginia, which uses a particular type, uh, several different types, but among them, uh, one called WinVote, made by a, a company called Advanced Voting Solutions, which is now out of business. Yet they continue to use those WinVote uh, touchscreen voting systems, 100% unverifiable. They continue to use those in Virginia, or at least they did until this new study came out, until Virginia actually bothered to pay attention to what folks like uh, Brad Blog has been saying for years. Uh, forget about us, what computer scientists have been saying for years. Now, back in 2007, as long ago as 2007, at Bradblog, we wrote about this AVS WinVote touchscreen voting system. Back when the company was trying to uh, upgrade and, and had a new version of this horrible, crappy, awful, unverifiable voting system. And at, back at, at that point, when federal authorities were trying to test them, they had found 1,946 source code anomalies. 25 serious documentation problems, unauthorized changing of motherboards that the company was trying to get away with. And in 2007, we wrote at Bradblog, we warned that election officials want to ignore those problems. And indeed they do. Now, at the time, uh, Pennsylvania and Mississippi were using the AVS win vote systems. They eventually got rid of them, but Virginia pressed on. Virginia, huge uh, state with the really, really close elections that we have covered in great detail on this show. Virginia wanted to keep its 100% unverifiable systems. So they kept using that win vote system. Until now. A study was finally done by the Virginia Information Technologies Agency finding critical vulnerabilities. Uh, is security deficiencies in multiple areas, including physical controls, network access, operating system controls, data protection, and the vote tallying process. All of them had flaws. They advised, quote, these machines should not remain in service. I will uh, get into some of these uh, details about what they found in these uh, systems, but it, it, it's just amazing. It's just amazing that it has taken this long. They've been using these systems for 10 years, for a decade. We have been warning about them for a decade. But they don't care. They kept using them. And voters kept voting on them. Here's what Vita found, just some of what Vita found, the Virginia Information Technology Agency. Uh, they found the wireless cards on the devices uh, provide an attack vector where an external party can access the WinVote devices and modify the data without notice from a nearby location. That even with the wireless networking capability disabled on the WinVote, and Win, by the way, stands for a wireless information network, as I understand it. Even with the wireless network capability uh, uh, disabled, the WinVote software's interface, the system still allowed access to its network. It's probable that an attacker could install a device uh, through a, a malicious third party, uh, could plug in a device via one of the system's three USB ports that provide access to the machine either locally or remotely. So they could have, been, could have done it physically, an insider, for example, or even a voter. They could have done it externally from a remote nearby location. But buckle up because uh, this is even worse. 
The company had bragged about the encryption uh, on, on the software. And by the way, that's something you'll hear when it comes to Internet voting all the time. They talk about the encryption, the military-grade encryption. Impossible to crack. Baloney. Uh, the uh, analysts were able to simply guess the WinVote password, so they didn't even need to crack the encryption. The password was hard-coded into the software. It could not be changed. For the record, this is the password. A, B, C, D, E. That was the password for the networking. But it gets worse. The operating system itself was the old Windows XP 2002 operating system. It hadn't been patched in years. And that, too, was hard-coded into the system. The password there was admin. That's right. Just admin. Just the default password. So that took them about 10 seconds to crack. Uh, and then finally, they were able to crack the, uh, the, the, the password to the database that it used. And it used a Microsoft Access database. And that uh, password was uh, Shoup, S-H-O-U-P, which was the name of the company before it was purchased by AVS. That, too, was hard-coded into the system. So with the password, the study found that with the password, it was able to copy the database files to the security analysis system, open it, modify the voting data, uh, and then put it back on the system, and the results would print out. No signs would be given that uh, the data, the voting data had been completely changed. There was no warnings, no nothing. They could change every vote in the system. Uh, so after that, uh, the uh, Virginia Information Technology Agency, or VITA, said, get rid of these systems. Yes, we know you've got a, a, a primary election coming up at the beginning of June. Doesn't matter. Get rid of them. They are that bad. After Vita came out with their report, Jeremy Epstein, a senior computer scientist at SRI International, wrote that, quote, if an election was held using the AVS win vote and it wasn't hacked, it was only because no one tried. The vulnerabilities were so severe and so trivial to exploit that anyone with even a modicum of training could have succeeded. Jeremy Epstein is also the co-founder of Virginia Verified Voting. He's worked on voting security issues for over a decade, both in Virginia and at the national level, and has long been advocating against the use of these particular voting systems, which have now thankfully been decertified in the state of Virginia, the AVS WinVote touchscreen system. He's been advocating against them for many years. Jeremy Epstein, welcome, sir, to the broadcast. Pleasure to be here. Uh, great to talk to you after uh, all of these years. Uh, I know that you... Uh, and Virginia vote, uh, Verified Voting have been trying for some years to get state officials out there to notice the problems with the win vote system, the problems that have now been, uh, you know, found to be show that it's incredibly easy to hack so much so that even with primary elections coming up there in June, one fifth of the counties are now getting rid of the systems entirely and scrambling to find something to replace them with. Now, we reported on problems with these systems years ago at Bradblog.com, uh, thousands of errors that were found in them. But while Pennsylvania and Mississippi stopped using them, Virginia continued to use them for years. So what had you been doing to raise attention to this issue, and why uh, was it seemingly so easy for election officials in Virginia to ignore your advocacy on this? 
So for about the past 10 years, uh, Virginia Verified Voting has been uh, working with legislators uh, to change the laws, and we have been successful uh, first in banning the purchase of any new uh, DRE, direct recording electronic voting machines, um, back in about 2009. I don't remember the exact year. And, and just, uh, to, just to help translate there, DRE, uh, direct recording electronic, that's usually a touchscreen type of system that is really 100% unverifiable and tracks votes inside the system so the voter can't really know uh, if it was recorded accurately. So that's, that's the DRE system Jeremy's talking about. Exactly. And so we... Uh worked with legislators to pass legislation that precluded anybody from buying any more of these uh, and uh, allowed grandfathering in those that were already in uh, use in Virginia. Uh, we uh, worked again with our legislators to ban use of wireless technology uh, in the polling places as a way of further cracking down on it when it turned out that the wind vote machines wouldn't work if you turned the wireless off uh, we reluctantly came up with a compromise uh, not because we thought this was a good idea but because the alternative uh, at that time was a complete overturn on the ban of purchase uh, and so we reluctantly agreed to allow them to use it we were skeptical uh, even way back when I was appointed to a state legislative commission in 2008, and I asked uh, some of the same questions that Vita uh, just answered uh, a few weeks ago, uh, namely things like the, the use of encryption and passwords. Mm -hmm. um, I asked those in 2008, and the vendor, which was still in business at that time, mm -hmm. uh, gave really lousy answers. But but they never had uh, the re requirement to re-examine the machines, and they didn't. Uh, and now we're suffering. And, and you know, that's the issue uh, that is incredible to me. I mean, w you pointed out many of the uh, concerns with these systems, uh, and yet, and, and we've seen this in other states as well, they grandfather them in. They say, yeah, we know these problems exist. We won't buy any more, but we will continue to use these systems that we know have all of these problems. Uh, you know, that's amazing to me, and they, they wait until something goes terribly wrong, or in this case... This, uh, the Commonwealth of Virginia finally decides to to look at the systems and find out for themselves what's wrong with them. Uh, what was the thinking when they said, OK, we know these are a problem, but we will grandfather them in. Uh, we will allow them to be you know, used anyway for, for years. It's the reality of uh, modern uh, politics is the uh uh, cost uh, of replacing voting machines mm -hmm. is in Virginia born at the local level, the county or the city level, um, and not by the state. And uh, counties and cities don't want to spend the money uh, on voting machines. They'd rather spend it on uh, schools and uh, police and things like that. Um, and so if you take too strong a stance uh, as an advocate and, and say, they must be immediately decertified and gotten rid of. Um, frankly, your bill won't pass. So sometimes you have to accept that half a loaf is better than none. In retrospect, obviously, we all wish, and I'm sure the State Board of Elections wishes, mm -hmm. that we had uh, been more successful. Uh, but it is, it is the reality of uh, compromise. Why did it take so long for them to do something that seems so simple, which is essentially have you know, professional white hat hackers 
uh, do an analysis to see uh, exactly what the vulnerabilities were in, in these machines. Why would they not even do that much, and why did they suddenly decide to do it now? Uh, I, I don't know uh, specifically why they didn't do it sooner. To some extent, I suspect they didn't want to know the answer uh, that they would find, um, although I was frankly shocked at how bad it was. Um, what what motivated the specific analysis was in the um, uh, election last fall, the, the midterm November 2014 election, mm -hmm. in a couple of, uh, th there were a number of problems around the state, not all of them with win votes. Uh, the win vote ones were the most serious. Uh, and the most surprising thing was that in uh, one precinct, it was reported that the machines kept crashing every time a poll worker with an iPhone tried to download download music, which doesn't make any sense. And Vita was unable to reproduce the scenario, but that was enough to get Vita permission uh, from the state to actually look at the machines and figure out what was going on. And and in that case, this was a case where machines kept crashing, and so they kept restoring them, and so they actually brought a machine from outside the precinct in to use as a replacement and it crashed too, and there is still no real explanation for why that happened. Am I correct? That's correct. We, we really don't know what happened, and this isn't the first time we've had unexplained problems uh, with the wind votes. There was a case in, um, I can't remember which year, in, in Fairfax County, where I live, where the uh, total in one precinct was approximately twice the number uh, that it should have been, and it was actually more than the total number of voters who had shown up on the polling place. Um, the county investigated, couldn't figure it out. Figure it out. The state uh, decided not to investigate because it was uh, it, it had never happened previously, uh, and so they just made a decision not to investigate. Oh, As it Lord. happens, under under Freedom of Information Act, I got a copy of the database that happened, and I pretty much understand how the wrong results happened. I don't understand why they happened, but as part of that, um, about two years ago, I had figured out that there was a hardwired password uh, that controlled the database, um, and I had notified uh, the state of that, uh, excuse me, I had notified the county mm -hmm. of that hardwired password and that, that, that that was a security risk. I didn't know about the hardwired Wi-Fi password, though. Yeah, that everything was, was hardwired. All the passwords couldn't be changed. What shocked you the most about the, the, the Vita analysis? You knew about a lot of the problems in advance, but even you were shocked, you said. Right. Um, I, uh, the term I've been using um, is uh, weakness in depth. In uh, the computer security world, we sometimes talk about defense in depth, uh, meaning that you have multiple layers, each of which builds on the next uh, to give you a stronger solution than any one piece individually. But this is weakness in depth. Each part of the system needed to be strong and build on the others, but in fact, each part was weak and weakened the rest. So there were multiple levels of protection, each of which required a password, but the passwords were all hardwired, um, etc. There have been a lot of very close elections uh, in Virginia of late. We covered, uh, I think it was the attorney general's race at the end of uh, 2014, just a, you know, a, a dozen votes in between the final candidates there. I mean, do you have concerns uh, especially with some of these unanswered questions about these machines, do you have concerns that they may have been manipulated in some fashion over the decade that these voting systems have been used across uh, across Virginia? 
I have no evidence that that any of the elections were uh, uh, tampered with, and I don't want people to walk away thinking that uh, it has happened. On the other hand, if it has, we would have no evidence because these machines keep no logs uh, or records mm. that would indicate something happened. But I don't want people to jump to the conclusion that, in fact, the elections were tampered with. They could have been, but that doesn't mean they were. Well, and that's my problem. That's been my concern about these systems for so many years, frankly, is not that they are tampered with, but that they could be tampered with, and that if they were, people would never know. And and, and that alone, I believe, undermines uh, you know confidence in our democracy, to be frank. Are, are there other... Uh, touchscreen DRE-style systems still in use in Virginia at this point, or uh, have we finally been able to get rid of at least that much in uh, in Virginia? Uh, no, there are still others, um, including the Unilect Patriot, oh, which brother. is the only really? other, yeah, um, I can't remember <laughs> how many localities use the Patriot, but there's quite a number. The way Virginia uh, does um, election technology, each uh, city and, and county, and, and cities are not part of counties in Virginia, unlike almost everywhere else in the country. Um, so there's 130 approximately localities. Each one of them makes their own decision uh, from a list of approved equipment by the State Board of Elections. So there's there's about 27, I think, different kinds of voting equipment in use in Virginia, including quite a number of DREs of pretty much every shape and size. Yeah, I can't believe they're still using them after the lessons they've learned from uh, WinVote. And if I recall correctly, and I'm, I'm going to forget the state here, but I think it was in uh, 2000, uh, there was a precinct where they used the uh, the 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 Unilect Patriot. Uh, I think there was about a uh, hundred or so voters in that county uh, in that uh, precinct. And George W. Bush, if I'm recalling correctly, received more than three thousand of those one hundred votes on the Unilect Patriot uh, way back when. And they're still using them in Virginia. Seems like they don't want to know. I think you hit on it when you said that uh, I think these election officials don't really want to know about the problems uh, with these systems. Uh, In the minute or two we have left here, Jeremy Epstein, um, what kind of confidence do you have that these machines that have been finally uh, decertified after a decade of, frankly, being crap, what kind of confidence do you have that they will be replaced with machines that are any better that voters can have uh, any more confidence in? I think the good news is that the legislation that we at Virginia Verified Voting helped pass about eight years ago uh, will make a difference because uh, everyone is replacing them uh, with uh, optical scan machines plus ballot marking devices that are uh, accessible for people who need them and voters who want to use them. Um, That will both save money uh, and shorten lines at polling places as well as giving us uh, uh, a more accurate count. The thing that needs to still happen in Virginia that we have not succeeded at is Virginia doesn't do any auditing uh, of the paper after the election. So we still need to do that. There's more legislative action necessary. Um, and the next battle in Virginia, as in many states, is Internet voting, uh, which um, hopefully will have learned from some of the mistakes that we've been seeing with these win vote machines and will be able to stop uh, some of the activity going on in that direction. Oh, it won't. But at this point, that's not clear. <laughs> no, it's not. And it, it, it won't help. They're still trying to do Internet voting, even though uh, they know of all of these problems. Uh, you, you mentioned auditing. Let me just to see if I can have time. 
time for this uh, question. Uh, that's post-election audits. And this is something that I have trouble explaining to people, that even when you have paper ballots, hand-marked, hopefully, paper ballots, they're still tabulated by computer op scans. And they're tabulated either correctly or incorrectly. Nobody actually knows unless they bother to count the ballots after the election in some fashion. I know verified voting likes uh, post-election audits that is a sort of a small sampling uh, of the uh, of the ballots to make sure uh, to try and, and make sure at least that they've been uh, tabulated accurately. But I, I remember I spoke with uh, Pam Smith uh, some years ago. She's the president of the uh, National Verified Voting Chapter. Uh, I spoke with her just after it was discovered that a paper ballot system in Palm Beach, Florida, uh, made by Sequoia at the time, had declared the results of three different races incorrectly, with the winners announced as losers and vice versa. And it was only after a sharp-eyed election official down there happened to notice that something was not right about the results that she was able to go to court to be allowed to carry out a hand count uh, in the state of Florida. And they found that, indeed, yes, the system had uh, a bug that the company admitted to, that results could be uh, flipped on both paper ballot op scan systems and touchscreen DRE systems. And Pam uh, told me at the time that she would not have confidence in results produced on those kind of machines without hand counts, hand counts, not even audits, hand counts to verify the results. What's your feeling about that, Jeremy Epstein? Well, I think it's important that we not throw out the baby with the bathwater. Technology can be very helpful, and uh, we should be doing machine counting. Uh, overall, it's much more accurate, but it needs to be backed up with audits as a way of verifying. And there are very few states that actually do those post-election audits at this point. It's sort of like if you believe that, you're, uh, that a company is uh, keeping the books accurately, the financial records, that you still have an auditor, an independent auditor, come in and check. They don't check every every expense report and every invoice and things like that, but they do some sampling to have confidence that the financial records are accurate, and you expect to find some minor discrepancies because that's just the nature of human mistakes. But if you find large-scale problems, then you investigate further. And that's exactly the same thing we need to be doing here. It's not to imply that anybody isn't doing their job or that the machines are deliberately broken, but you have to do... Uh, some random sample uh, auditing, or you won't know if there's a problem that's just not being detected. You can't assume that you're going to catch it when you get to a recount, because at the recount, that's that's too late. Jeremy Epstein, I'm going to uh, only disagree with you on one point, but we'll have to pick that point up another day, which concerns the accuracy of machine counts versus hand counts. I'm going to stand behind the hand counts and the people uh, every, every time, which is why, in my opinion, when there's a really close, close race, it always comes down to a hand count as the gold standard of democracy. But we will have to save that fight for another day. I'm looking forward to having it. Jeremy Epstein, senior computer scientist at SRI International and co-founder of Virginia Verified Voting. Jeremy, great to talk to you today, and we'll, we'll have out that little battle the next time. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thank you. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and come back with more broadcast. Uh, yeah, hand counts. Hand counts are more accurate. But, you know, whenever you get into a discussion with a computer scientist about it, uh, you know, to uh, what is the old saying to a carpenter, to somebody with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. When you talk to computer scientists about uh, voting systems, they want to uh, have computers do it. They think computers can do it. Um, 
I disagree on that point. Uh, hand counts in public are the best way to go. Anyway, we'll fight that battle another day, uh, and we will come back with uh, how the NRA was hoping you would spend Mother's Day. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Welcome back. It's your Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. That's uh, that's Revival, isn't it, Desi Doyen? Yes, Revival by the Allman Brothers. The Allman Brothers. Uh, it was a, a request by our uh, KPFK uh, listener, caller, uh, Betty, uh, who said she wanted to hear that at some point. So uh, there you go, Betty. Uh, happy Mother's Day to you, by the way. And uh, if you have a request, apparently we're taking music requests now, Desi. Uh, you can send me music requests uh, to bradcast at bradblog.com. If you'd like to send uh, something other than a request, like a comment, a, uh, uh, a love letter, uh, hate mail, you can also use the uh, address there as well, bradcast at bradblog.com. Or you could just spread the word about the Bradcast on the Twitters. Okay, uh, let's see. Very quickly, in just a few minutes we've got left here, uh, last December at a Walmart in Hayden, Idaho, 29-year-old Veronica Rutledge uh, was accidentally shot and killed by her two-year-old son. Horrible story. Uh, This was after the son figured out how to unzip a special compartment inside her purse where she stored a Smith & Wesson MMP Shield 9mm handgun. Uh, And and he killed her with it. Uh, Anyway, the NRA... The National Rifle Association, who I have called, uh, let's see, a a terrorist supporter. Uh, They fight against universal background checks, uh, despite the overwhelming majority of not just Democrats, independents and Republicans who would like to see universal background checks checked. But even the NRA membership itself, by a huge majority, 70 something uh, would like to see universal background checks. And yet the NRA, which pretends to be a, uh, oh, it's a rifle club. No, they uh, represent the arms industry, period. So they've been fighting against these background checks for years. They uh, they fight against uh, barring people who are on the terrorist watch list from being able to purchase a gun. They, uh, they lied to, to Congress and to the American people about a U.N. treaty that would curb the sale of arms uh, to states, uh, to countries who commit huge human rights violations. They said it was a backdoor way to ban the Second Amendment in the U.S., despite the treaty's carefully worded efforts to make sure that the treaty did not apply to any nation's own sovereign laws. They just went out and li- lied about it. Wayne LaPierre, <clears throat> their chief liar. Anyway, that's just part of the reason why I have long said and will continue to say that the NRA supports terrorism. And again, if you got a problem with that, I am bradcast at bradblog.com if you'd like to complain. So anyway, that gun, uh, that Smith & Wesson M&P Shield 9mm handgun uh, that was uh, used by a two-year-old to kill, her mother, to kill his mother in uh, Idaho at the Walmart last year. That's the same gun that the NRA is uh, giving away for Mother's Day. 
a Smith & Wesson small caliber handgun, uh, which they uh, posted to their Twitter account, uh, surrounded by flowers under the caption, forget flowers this Mother Day, Mother's Ugh. Day. Mom wants something she can carry with her. Oh, my God. Isn't that nice? That's that's to me that's stunning. I mean, I I realize that they really don't care, but that just seems to me above and beyond tone deaf. That seems to be, you know, flipping people off essentially and saying, "Yes, here's a gun that was used to kill a mom just a few months ago, and here why don't you give it to your mom?" Is they trying to send a message? They don't care. They don't care. Uh, they will do anything. They will say anything. They are uh, professional uh, military grade trolls over there. Uh, in fact, I suspect this is what they want for people like me to talk about it and complain about it uh, and, you know, help them uh, get more angry, uh, disinformed, uh, knucklehead right wingers to go over there and, and give them money and make them money so they can pretend that uh, they're supporting their rights when they're not. They're not supporting their rights. They are uh, supporting the rights of the arms industry to make money off of chumps, suckers. Uh, and 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 punks who buy into this nonsense and doing very well at it too. I mean, haven't uh, gun sales and ammunition oh, sales yeah. doubled, tripled, oh, or something? And just uh, so, so they're doing an excellent job for the folks that they're lobbying for, as you said, the small arms and, industry. Yeah, and I've been trying to get to this uh, for days. But basically, what the NRA is now doing is out there lying. Wayne Lapierre, their executive vice president, continuing to lie. They have been saying that Barack Obama is going to take away your guns. And your ammo. You know, they've been saying this for years, and he hasn't. He hasn't taken away anybody's guns or ammo. He has just been uh, expanding gun rights, in fact. I mean, he did after Sandy Hook, he did try to put some restrictions on, but uh, he's been expanding gun rights. You can carry a gun into a national park. You can carry it on trains now. Nonetheless, uh, in the uh, May issue of NRA's magazine, America's First Freedom, Wayne LaPierre wrote, President Barack Obama is setting the table to ban your ammunition, all of it. The remaining two years of Obama's term pose the greatest threat ever to the Second Amendment and our freedom. The two fatal turns of events LaPierre is talking about, uh, he says, uh, would lead the EPA. The EPA, Desi, these are your people, <laughs> to ban all lead ammunition. And subsequently, the Obama would then ban all non-lead ammunition, says Wayne LaPierre. So that very quickly does that effort to, by the EPA to ban lead ammunition, which has been abandoned years ago. The yeah. reason they wanted to do it, well, you tell it. You're, you're well, my co-host on the Green News Report. You're our environmental maven. Why? It's because the lead gets into the environment. It gets into the animals that it shoots. It gets into the animals that eat them. And it gets into the hunters who then eat those animals. So they're trying to say, hey, lead persists in the environment. Don't use lead. And it's only for hunting. It's only when hunting wild game. And they were very clear it's not for self-defense bullets. It's only for those to be used in wildlife hunting. That's and it. So we're trying to keep the hunters from being poisoned. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the thanks you get, that's the thanks you get. Right. Incredible. Um, and the EPA abandoned that effort because of NRA's li NRA lies about all of this nonsense. And yet Wayne LaPierre is out there saying, oh, you better go buy some more bullets. NR uh, Obama's, he's coming for them, all of them, the lead ones and the non-lead ones. Oh, and send us money, oh, and buy your mother this weapon for Mother's Day. She will love it. And so will the two-year-old who could shoot her with it. Idiots. Brother. All right, uh, my thanks uh, today, as ever, to Desi Doyen, our producer, to Cynthia Cohn, our booking goddess, 
to my guest, Jeremy Epstein of Virginia Verified Voting. We will see you next time. Same Brad time, same Brad channel. Until then, you can find me on the Facebooks and the Twitter at the Brad Blog, and of course at bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Happy Mother's Day.